Good morning, Trinity Church. My name is Kyle Van Sommer, and I'm one of the elders here at uh, Trinity Church. And I just want to welcome everyone who's uh, there in person and everyone who's joining online. I'm obviously recording this ahead of time. Uh, my wife and I have been fairly cautious throughout the pandemic. Uh, my son has asthma, and so we uh, unfortunately haven't been able to get to see everybody, uh, really missing everybody, and I wish I could be there in person. I can't uh, wait to see everyone face-to-face seen a few of you, but uh, I, I really look forward to seeing all of you. And I'm just so uh, excited that uh, the vaccine is coming and we're hopefully start resuming some normal activities. So uh, thanks again uh, for joining us. We are continuing in our Exodus series. And uh, this is a story. Uh, this is a famous story in the Old Testament Bible. And it's uh, one that many people are familiar with. And a lot of times we frame the story of Exodus as it's about the nation of Israel, and it and it is about the nation of Israel. But really, uh, I want to reframe it a little bit today and look at it from uh, the viewpoint that it's actually a story about God, and it's actually about God's faithfulness and uh, about God's glory and about His um, His ability to come through for the nation of Israel and His steadfastness. Uh, through, you know, while they're in slavery. And so uh, we want to really reflect on God and just his goodness and his power and his uh, glory today. So uh, really, the all, you know, one of the main questions that I want you to think about and ponder as we continue in our Exodus uh, reading today is, how do you respond to God's unlimited power and presence? How do you respond to God's unlimited power and presence? Uh, you know, just as a, as a general reminder for us as Christians, you know, it's actually a given that we have too small of a view of God, that our view of God, by the very definition of who God is, because God is infinite, because he is all-knowing and all-powerful, uh, our view of God is too small because he is infinite. And so because he is infinite, uh, we by very definition, have too small of a view of God. And so, you know, we should never say that God is like this, period, end of story. We should always be saying God is like this, and he's like this, and he's like this, and he's like this, and, and, and. And we should never run out of ideas about who God can be. And so just want to expand our minds, renew our minds this morning, think about uh, just the unlimited nature of God, and um, really think about that today as it relates to this story and, and how he interacts with uh, Moses and Aaron and with Pharaoh in the story today. And so, uh, yeah, just want to give you a quick recap of where we are in the story of Exodus. So, you know, we've got the nation of Israel. They're an enslaved people. They're in slavery under the rule of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Um, we have Moses, this hero character who... He killed an Egyptian, and then so he had to flee to the land of the Midianites, uh, uh, the land of Midian. And then, you know, eventually God speaks to Moses through the burning bush, and uh, Moses is called back to Egypt to basically confront Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, "Let my people go." And so we, uh, are, the where we're picking up in the stories, there's been um, two meetings uh, uh, that Moses has gone to Pharaoh. So in the first meeting, Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. And uh, the first time that Moses does this and, and confronts Pharaoh and says, let my people go, 
it doesn't go very well. And in fact, Pharaoh basically just blows off Moses. He says, who is this God? Um, he doesn't, he pretends not to know who God is. He, you know, in, in the Egyptian culture, Pharaoh would have been viewed as God. And so Pharaoh would have had a pretty self-inflated view of himself. And he actually assigned more work and harder work to the nation of Israel. And so they were, they were very, you know, distraught. And they were kind of wondering, is this Moses guy worth following? There was a bit of a crisis of, of confidence, you know, should we be following Moses? Is he helping us? Is he leading us? Um, and God continues to support Moses and be for him. And he actually gives him Aaron to come and help speak to Pharaoh. So in the second meeting, Moses goes to Aaron, or Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and they, they confront Pharaoh again and they say, let my people go. And this time Pharaoh demands a sign of power. And so in this meeting, Aaron has a staff in his hand and he drops the staff on the ground and the staff becomes a snake. And it's a, it's a God given uh, ability to, you know, it's, it's God performing a miracle through Aaron to basically show that, uh, you know, they mean business, that they're the real deal, that they're sent from God. And, um, but despite this, Pharaoh, it says, you know, continues to kind of have a hard heart and, and refuses to let the Israelite nation go. And so, um, you know, that, that's going to be a bit of a recurring theme today is, is the hardness of heart that Pharaoh has. And then where we're going to pick up in the reading is the third meeting. So this is the day after the second meeting. So the second meeting was the, the, the snake from the staff. And in this third meeting, uh, Aaron and Moses are instructed by God to go to Pharaoh again. So here we are. We're going to pick up. <clears throat> In uh, Exodus 7, uh, verses 14 through 25. And, and this is the story of the plague. So this is the beginning of the plague. So if you're familiar with that, we'll, we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. So uh, chapter 7, 14 through 25 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him. And take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in your hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die the Nile will stink and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals and their ponds and all the pools of water so that they may become blood. There shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. <clears throat> Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house and did not take even this to heart. 
And the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. So this is the first plague. There's 10. God ends up cursing the nation of of Egypt and Pharaoh with 10 plagues. So this is the first one. And we're going to skip over most of them and, and pick up kind of towards the towards the last one. But there's there's ten plagues in all. There's uh, God turns the water into blood. There's a there's frogs. There's gnats. There's flies. There's livestock. There's boils that get on people's body. Uh, the livestock uh, die. I should have said. And then there's also uh, hail storms that damage crops and locusts. And then there's darkness for a time. And then the final one, and, and this is where we're going to pick up the story again, is the plague of, of the death of all the firstborn uh, uh, children in the nation of Egypt. And um, so we're going to continue on with the story. <clears throat> and we're this is actually right before the, the 10th plague uh, happens. And the 10th plague uh, is, is when you know God passes over the Israelites. And, and spares them from the death of the first child, the first sons, I should say. And um, and this is uh, commemorated today uh, to un- until today as the Passover. So uh, the Jewish people still celebrate this today. It's very famous. Uh, we we still commemorate it. It's it's a famous event in in the Old Testament where God passes over and, and we celebrate it today. Uh, but this is right before that happens. So. This is uh, Moses kind of goes to Pharaoh one last time to kind of plead with Pharaoh to let let the Israelites go. And um, and so we, we see this meeting here. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, so I'm picking up chapter 11. Uh, one, and the Lord said to Moses, yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they may ask, uh, that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill. And all the firstborn of the cattle, there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these, your servants, shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he, Moses, went out of Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israelite of Israel go out of his land. So we 
see Moses and Aaron confront Pharaoh one more time, and Pharaoh continues to have a hard heart. And um, it's uh, uh, you know kind of the final warning before a great death comes upon the nation of Egypt. But uh, that's where we'll we'll stop in the story, and we'll have to pick it up next time. But uh, just throughout this passage, this this passage of ten plagues and God displaying His wonders and His power and His miracles, um, I just want to take some time and reflect on uh, you know what do we learn about God through this story? What are what are some of the things about God that we can learn uh, through this story? And the first uh, point that I see, or the first observation that I make in this story is that God has unlimited power. God has unlimited power. And we see this obviously through the plagues, through these um, kind of curses that he sends on the Egyptians, on to Pharaoh. And what this tells me is that actually God has the power to change a nation, that he has the power to change the trajectory of history because uh, you know, it wasn't Pharaoh's plan to to let the Israelites go, but God was orchestrating his plan. And really, through this, God actually could bring a nation to it, bring a nation to its knees. That they, this nation was suffering uh, because they were disobedient, and God was punishing them. And um, it just, you know, for me, it's a reminder. You know, we we live in a time of, uh, you know, it seems like politics are everywhere, and and um, there's new inventions every day, and so it's easy to want to put your faith in the here and now, into um, you know the powers that exist in our uh, country today, or the, or our Earth today, in our world today. And it's just a reminder that you know God's power is actually unlimited and can can totally transform a nation, um, uh, you know, seemingly overnight. It, it doesn't happen exactly overnight, but you know, in a very short period. Um, the other thing that I observe about God in this story is that God actually uses the plagues to glorify himself. Um, and so, you know, he uses these kind of horrible judgments against the Egyptians to actually bring more glory to himself and more wonder and amazement to the people of Israel and uh, and even to the Egyptians. Uh, so, you know, it says uh, at the end of our passage in chapter 11 there that that actually God's signs and his work multiply in the land. So, it you know, God could have easily, you know, on that first meeting that Moses had with Pharaoh, God could have easily orchestrated such that Pharaoh said, yep, okay, Moses, you say, let my people go, you can go. But, you know, in God, God in his wisdom chose not to do this. He instead ended up using these 10 plagues to actually, uh, um, you know, display his power, that that his wonder and his work and his presence would be more fully known, that people would actually have a better understanding of who he was and the power that he had. And so um, sometimes, you know, when we see bad things, you know, it, it uh, you know, in, in life, um, in, a, in a kind of non-direct way, it can actually point us towards, towards God and um, you know, I think about that a little bit with the, with the pandemic, obviously, like, I think it's just for me been a reminder that I, I personally cannot put any faith in my own circumstances because my circumstances can change overnight. Um, you know, a, a year ago when the pandemic first hit, I didn't think I'd be where I am today. And, and so, um, 
you know, I think it's it's a reminder that uh, if I put too much faith in my circumstances, I, I'm probably going to be disappointed uh, because um, things change and, and, and there's things that I cannot control. And so I'd rather, you know, place my faith in the one that I know has all the power and can control all things. Um, so that's, you know, God, God uses these plagues to glorify himself in this story. The next thing I observe is that God's judgment will eventually come. Uh, or another way of saying it is that God's oversight is for all people. And so um, this is uh, both kind of a warning and also a comfort. So if you're, if you're not a Christian, it's actually a warning that, you know, you may not feel God's, um, you, you know, you may feel like, oh, what what is Christianity going to benefit me today? But uh, the warning here is that eventually God it will bring his judgment and those that are against God um, will be punished. And on the flip side, those that are in Christ, those that are, have a soft heart towards God actually um, are going to be rewarded uh, with freedom, true freedom um, and, and eternal life in, in, our, in our case. And in this story, <coughs> uh, we see that that God's, you know, judgment eventually comes, you know, that the, the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years. So I'm sure they doubted at times, God, when are you going to save us? When are you going to bring us out of this place? And, um, and I think, you know, w- we see it happen now. And when we see that, that uh, this judgment does come and, and salvation is coming for the people of Israel through this story. Uh, the next thing that I observe about God uh, is that he has the power to change people's hearts. So there's kind of two, two elements happening with Pharaoh's heart here. On the one hand, uh, Pharaoh ha- already has a hard heart. He, he believes himself to be a God and he doesn't, you know, he rejects the God of the Bible. He, re- he rejects Moses and Aaron and he has a hard heart towards God. And at the same time, it says in the story that God also, uh, you know, hards, hardens his heart. And so he... You know, there, there's hardening is happening both by the actions of Pharaoh and, and the actions of God. And God uh, then actually, you know, we'll, we'll see this later when Pharaoh actually releases, uh, spoiler alert, when, when Pharaoh actually releases the Israelites um, to be free and, and come out of the land of Egypt, that God actually changes uh, Pharaoh's heart. And you know, this gives me a lot of comfort when I think about friends or family who maybe are very far from God and actually don't you know have a relationship with Jesus and it's just a reminder to me that actually God can change people's hearts he has the ability to to you know it says in other parts of the bible um, that he has the ability to change a heart of stone into a heart of flesh and so this is just a, a wonderful reminder of God's ability to do that the the next thing that i see in this story is that God gives good gifts to his people and so we, we see there's a there's a short portion in this story where uh, the Egyptians actually give end up giving the Israelites gold and silver jewelry, um, a, a bunch of wealth essentially, and uh, you know God God is giving good gifts to His people. He's not just providing for His basic needs, but He's actually giving the Israelites what they need for flourishing and for wealth and for riches, really, um, which is kind of an amazing thing. Like, I think often we, we think about, you know, God does provide for all of our needs, but he's also a very generous and kind God and wants to actually give us more than that. And, and we see that actually happening here 
Um, but this is also a promise. Uh, so God, you know, another thing I think about God or, or observe in this story is that God is a promise keeper. So this is actually this, um, these gifts that were these gifts of jewelry that were given to the Israelites uh, by the Egyptians was actually the fulfillment of a promise that happened back in Genesis um, before the nation of Israel even existed. Um, so in uh, Genesis 15, 13 through 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So here we go. Hundreds of years ago, God makes this promise to Abram before the nation of Israel even exists. You know, it's, it's just one guy at this point. It's Abram. And, and now we see God fulfilling that promise and giving great wealth and possessions to the nation of Israel. Uh, the, the other thing I, I see through this uh, little vignette or story is that the part of the story that is is that God cares about oppressed people. So obviously the Israelites were, were tremendously oppressed. They were enslaved. They didn't have freedom. Uh, God cares about oppressed people. And he He actually is providing not just for their basic needs, but also for their thriving, uh, which is, a, I, I think that's just a wonderful picture of, of God's generosity and his care for people, uh, not, just, uh, not just to give them food and water and shelter, but to actually give them a life and actually establish them in life. So it's, it's wonderful. And there's another uh, small part in this story, you know, that, that I, that I uh, see here is that God actually chooses to partner with. So God often we see throughout the Bible, he doesn't, he, he does exert his power unilaterally at times, but he also chooses very often to partner with people. And I think there's a key point in this, in this gift of jewelry uh, silver and gold jewelry to the Israelites, it's, it actually says the instructions aren't just wake up one day and there's a bunch of jewelry on your front door, but the instructions are for the Israelites to go and ask their neighbors for this jewelry, their, their, their Egyptian neighbors. And so I think this is a really important point for us as Christians, just about how God works, that he doesn't he, he does work unilaterally and, and exerts his power unilaterally at times, but he also likes to partner. And there's a role for us to play as his people to go and ask at times. And, and this is an example where God is partnering with them to, to, to get this wealth, to fulfill this promises. You know, you go and ask, you take hold of the promises that I've already made to you. And we see this countless times. So in the book of Esther, uh, God uses Esther, partners with Esther to save the Jewish people. Uh, we see this through Joseph, which happens in Genesis, um, that God uses Joseph to save the nation of Israel uh, from a famine and the nation of Egypt from a famine. And of course, Apostle Paul is used, you know, God partners with Apostle Paul to, to bring the gospel to uh, the Gentiles and, and all sorts of uh, places that, that Paul goes and, and um brings the good news of Jesus. So we, we see this very often. It's not, not a unknown thing, but it is an important thing that God loves to partner with us, his people. So how do we apply these lessons? You know, how, what lessons do we draw from this passage? How do we apply them? How do we make them practical in our lives? 
And I think, you know, one of my original questions is just, how do you respond to God's unlimited power and his presence? And I think that's a really important um, thing for us to consider today. How are we responding to God uh, in our daily lives, in, in the big things that are happening in our lives? You know, the pandemic has caused a lot of people to rethink their, their life plans, the things they're doing, the work they're doing, where they live, uh, all sorts of things. And and the question is, you know, in my in my mind is like, are you being soft towards God as as you explore those kinds of questions? You know, are you responding to God's power and his presence in your life? And in this story, we see really only two, you know, at the end of the day, there are only two responses um, that we see in this story. And uh, and really, you know, in, in my experience in Christian life, you know, you're either, you know, going towards God or you're, or you're pulling back from God. And so, you know, that's a question for you today is that are you pulling away from God or are you leaning into God? Um, another way of saying it is, you know, either either are, do you have a softness towards God or do you have a hardness towards God? Do you Are you uh, willing to bow down before God or are you standing in defiance of God? And um, so this, you know, this passage, as I kind of mentioned, it's, it's an encouragement for those who, you know, want to obey God because we see God's reward to the nation of Israel and to Moses and, and to Aaron. Uh, and it is actually a warning to those who have hard hearts towards God. Um, you know, things don't end up well for Pharaoh and the Egyptians who have a hard heart uh, towards God. There is judgment and there is punishment. Um, you know, just to look a little bit at, you know, Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron, it says in the, in the passage that Moses and Aaron did everything that the Lord commanded. They were obedient. They listened to God and they actually, they didn't just listen, but they actually obeyed God, uh, and every command, you know, are we, are we obeying God's commands? Are we, when we read the Bible and when the Bible instructs us to, you know, love our neighbor, are we really doing that? Um, you know, Moses and Aaron did it. They said that they obeyed every command. Uh, they did everything that the Lord commanded. Uh, you know, they were given favor in the, in the eyes of the Egyptians and they were given power from God. So we see, you know, this softness towards God culminating in a life that's, um, you know, given favor. Uh, and then on the flip side, we see Pharaoh. So Pharaoh has a hardened heart. He refuses to listen to God. He refuses to listen to Aaron and Moses. He refuses to let the people go. It says later on, his heart remained hardened. So it's not just hardening at once against God, but it's staying in that place of hardness. Um, and, and there's another uh, part in the passage where it says that um, Pharaoh disobeys. He just flat out disobeys God. And um, Proverbs 28, 14 says this, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. So, yeah, I think a little bit what I was saying before, you know, my challenge to you all this morning that are listening, um, you know, that, that if we fail to be soft towards God, we actually fail to take hold of the promises that he has and live in them fully. So, you know, if you desire a close, you know, maybe you are, not a Christian, and you desire a relationship with God, today's a great chance to soften your heart and say, yes, Lord, I want to I wanna live a life following you. 
Um, maybe you're already a Christian, but maybe you're desiring more. So if you desire a closer relationship with God, you should expand your view of God. You should expand and, and ponder God's unlimited power and his unlimited presence. If you're on a dry place uh, with your faith, you should study more of God's characteristics and, and ponder God's wonderful grace and love. You know, I, I think... Um, I think through the pandemic, just being separated from, you know, uh, through from his church, from God's church, from from all of you, from Trinity Church, just physically being separated. I have felt a sense of dryness from that because it um, I just, you know, that there is something holy and good and right about being together as Christians. And um, that to some degree has left me in a dry place. And so it makes me want to, you know, God loves his church and uh, it makes me want to love his church more. And uh, so, yeah, if, if you're wanting more courage in your life, meditate on the unlimited power and love that God wants to unleash on you. And, you know, we, we saw these great display, you know, the plagues are these, you know, kind of out of this world type of stuff, like stuff that is almost unimaginable. It's, it's, these really fantastic stories of God's power and his miracles. And sometimes we wonder, you know, whoa, you know, why, why does God do these things? And, and, um, and, you know, what, sometimes the, the power is like, you know, it's almost like this, it's so powerful and so big that it, that it fails to be, you know, close or like relatable. And I just want to say, you know, God's power isn't just for these great big acts. God's power is for the personal acts as well. And in fact, the greatest act uh, of power, well, one of the greatest acts of power that God displayed is actually his defeat of death. So that and, and his bridging the gap between us and God. And that's the work that Jesus did on the cross. And we see God's unlimited power displayed in the person of Jesus on the cross, defeating death. And it says in 1 Corinthians, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, uh, oh, uh, where is your victory? Where is your sting? It says the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So death is defeated. God's unlimited power um, not only does it save the Israelites out of bondage, but actually God's unlimited power um, has defeated death for us and gives us the ability to have a relationship with Jesus. And so, um, you know, I, as I mentioned, if you desire uh, to place your faith in Jesus, you can do that today. And you can, um, and, and if you're a Christian, who maybe is in a dry place, maybe is feel, maybe you don't feel quite as hard as Pharaoh does, but maybe you're just feeling a little distant from God. Maybe you're, um, this is the time to lean in and to just really celebrate God's power and his cele- celebrate his victory over death, his victory over bondage that we see, you know, uh, the, the, the story of Israel and the Exodus is really a story about God's faithfulness and his faithfulness continues not only from the Israelites, but carries on to today, to all of us sitting right here together. Uh, We are set free by Jesus's power. Um, 
blessings to you. Have a wonderful Sunday. And uh, thank you all for joining us.